Welcome back to the Blue Collar Barbarians podcast, brought to you by the Blue Collar Barbarian Network. And we are back again with my buddy, Mark. And we are continuing for you guys. This is the Q&A format from Mark's show that you just listened to. Uh, This is where we're going to dig into more of Mark's mind around everything from a general superintendent slash operational manager role and his opinions on what you guys can do to get better, what you guys can do as tradesmen to grow, how you can stand out, how you can succeed. But before we get into any of that tonight, guys, I'll take a minute to say thank you to a show sponsor. We're going to go with Tier 1 Kinetics tonight. I got this awesome pullover soft shell jacket. Thanks to Tier 1 Kinetics for sponsoring this show. And Heatwave. Go ahead and check out Heatwave Visuals uh, sunglasses. They have all sorts of any kind of modular design and color combination you can imagine to go from their different frames. I personally love the high vis ones. Okay. All their sunglasses are ANSI rated and I've been rocking them and I've got, you know, the Ric Flair thing going. I got cheetah print. I got bright yellow. I got red. I got every color you can imagine black with some bright orange lenses. So check out Heatwave and check out tier one kinetics for all your tactical needs. And thank you guys so much for sponsoring this show. And we're throwing in on giveaways for us. We got a pair of heat waves we're going to give away later. This uh, probably first Q1 of 2024. And we got tier one swag that we are tossing into just different random giveaways. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And thank you guys so much for your generous donations and for being a part of this show. Mark, my man, welcome back. Welcome back, dude. That was yeah, such an incredible conversation we had this last time, man. Like such an incredible conversation. Thank you for coming back on to answer some questions and help get our brothers and sisters a little bit of extra knowledge, dude. No problem. I'm happy to be here, man. Really, really look forward to Happy this. to help and trade. Um, as you guys know, when we talked to Mark, we talked about his story coming through some really hard times, um, coming from being a convict to getting literally punched in the face to get his foot in the door to accelerating to run and work to, I mean, to, you guys will have to make sure if you didn't catch the last episode where he goes into depth about how he got to where he is now and the route and the, the barbarian, which is really the unruly approach that you took is what stood out to me the most. It just fits perfectly for the theme of this show, right? Like go and get it. And that's exactly what you've done. So Mark, you're a gold mine, dude. I'm, this is going to be fun. I'm excited about this. I hope you're excited. I know we talked offline about uh, this, but we're going to get into uh, this show from just a leadership perspective. And I cannot wait to see how you answer some of these questions I got for you, man. Well, I'm going to do my, I'm going to do my best. <laughs> that you will. <laughs> All right, Mark, jumping <laughs> right in, dude. We're go- We're jumping right into the fire tonight, brother. <clears throat> Question number one, every guest gets it. You can guess it. We know what it is. What is a blue collar barbarian to you? Well, you you know, when, when you sent me this question to think about it, I didn't really have to put much thought into it because you started this show, Blue Collar Barbarian, for a reason. And what you have in you is what all of us blue collar guys have in us that that have that little fire that draws you 
to always want to do better and always want to succeed and always want to take that next step. And, and for me, I never heard the term blue collar barbarian until you started this, you know, your journey up, up around this. And it really resonates with me. And you, you think about all the different jobs and all the different people you meet that are blue collar and how many of them, you know, you, you could point out over the course of the years that you would consider a blue collar barbarian because they just get up, they show up, they're present, and they, they have that, that drive that sometimes you look in other people that they don't have that drive. They don't have that want to do better. They don't have that want to succeed and continually improve themselves and their surroundings. They're just living for a paycheck. Right. And and you and me and a lot of the people that listen to this that's gonna listen to this podcast, they have that little bit of fire inside of their belly that they're always trying to get to that next step or do that one thing better or concentrate on something to to improve their life or their surroundings or their family or their work, anything like that. So I would say that was probably my my best definition of what I think a blue collar barbarian would be. Yeah. And I can appreciate that, but um, you said something there that I'd like to highlight because there is a bunch of people that just wake up, do the thing, go to work, you know, come back, repeat, rinse, wash, repeat. And then there's the people, like you said, if you think about, if you think back to all the different places you've been, especially you and all the different types of people you've met along the way, right? There is a difference. There's that there's that guy that's always got a charisma to him. There's that guy that you can tell whether you talk to him and he sound he tells you how ambitious he is or not. You could see something about him, right? Like you could see the wheels turning in his brain and it's coming from the crane world specifically, right? I there's guys I can think back to that I could see them progress. Like I could see every time they sit in that seat, they're trying to learn something new or get faster or get smoother or be faster to set the crane up or how many jobs can they get done a day or counting pieces of iron on their own without asking the iron workers, how many they've hung, like just little tiny things. It's not big necessarily, but there's little tiny differences that is, you know, not to take away from the rest of the blue collar world. Cause that's our family. Like they help us eat too, but a lot of them are lazy. A lot of them just exist. And I'm not here for that. This show is not here for that. Right. We don't have guests like you on that talk about like, oh, yeah, like I just woke up one day and I'm. that's not what we're about. We're about feeding, right? Like a shark's got to eat, essentially. And what yeah. we're, we're trying to do is reach the people that got like, I love how you said that, a fire in your belly, right? Like, that's exactly it. Like, I almost got that almost anxiety inside of me 24-7 because like, I'll never, I'll never get there. I'll never be at the top. I'll never be the best. I will be great. I will achieve greatness. But I call it like a, and I'm curious to see your thoughts on this, but I, I call this like a never summit mentality, right? Because like every time I think I'm to where, what my peak would be, it's like, nope. Now back down the valley we go and there's another hill to climb, right? Like in whether that's laterally moving or whatnot, right? So, I mean, would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that. And, and to add to that, 
I have, in a sense, a similar mindset, but a little bit different. So I, I set, I set what most people would think is unrealistic goals. I set, I set goals that if I tell somebody what I want, I want to happen in five years or seven years, most people will just laugh at me and think I'm nuts. And, and because back in, in the early days of my life, when I caught two felonies and said, I told myself every day, I want to be an international drilling consultant. I want to be an international drilling consultant. And I woke up every day, even though I might have not been doing a specific job that ever put me, you know, in anybody's mind that that's going to ever launch me into that position. I'm patient and I know that there's a process that has to happen in order for things to happen. Everything's a chain reaction. If I do this one job my whole life, nothing will ever change. If I do this job, this job, this job, and this job, it's preparing me and putting my life in succession to what I ultimately have in my mind, unintentionally drawing me towards exactly what my unrealistic goal in that moment was. And it's, it's literally mindset. If you have the mindset to climb that summit, even though nobody thinks you can do it, you're going to do it if you want it. And that's right. kind of how I look at it is I set goals, you know, one year, five years, seven years, 10 years. And when I reach those goals that in the moment might seem unachievable, now I'm here. What's the next big thing I want to do in the next five, seven, 10 years? And I write those down and I tell myself daily, weekly, that this is what I want to do. No matter what I'm doing in the moment, I'm going to unintentionally gravitate towards what I know I'm going to be successful at. Because if I set something in motion, in mind, and put it out in the universe, I'm going to succeed and I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. Yeah, man, that's good. And I, it, you manifest as too to get to that, and we'll and we'll cover that more. I'm manifest sure. your own destiny. That's true. it. But you got to do that. You also have to take action, right? Like if you want it, take go action, get it, work it. That's it. And I like what you said there too, because it is not a, it's not an overnight thing. You don't wake up one day and you've made it. I mean, you kind of do, but there comes all the speed bumps, crash into a wall seventy-five times in a row to make it once right? Without hitting the guardrail or whatnot, figuratively. Like that's yep. it's just repetitive action, aggressive action, um, which I'm sure you would agree with it's, based off your story. It's, but it, it's consistency. And it's really, it comes down to being consistent, being consistent in your, in your attitude, consistent in your work ethic, consistent in what you want out of this lifetime that we have, the short life we live. It is, it is showing up and being consistent in your, your emotions, your mood, how you work, how you help people. And all of, all of it really boils down to being present, being consistent, and always, always wanting and achieving something bigger than yourself. Mm. That's how I feel. I, I can't disagree with you, man. And I don't think anybody that sees where you're at now could either. I mean, results speak, right? All bullshit aside, results speak for themselves. 
So listen, let's get into question another question here then, because uh, piggybacking off of this. So from the leadership perspective here, as a as a superintendent, right, as supervision, when you're looking and you're selecting guys, and you're looking at guys that are in leadership roles, what stands out to you? What are you looking at? What are you evaluating people off for that when you're assigning, like, say, your foreman and your general foreman, or is deciding if this guy's ready to progress or this guy's, you know what I'm saying? Like, what what do you look at for that? So I can, I can use a prime example because currently I'm, a, I'm on a very large project. It's a $20 million project. I just got thrown on this, you know, three months ago and they need help streamlining, saving money, cost, you know, making the, the project be more profitable. And in, in the end, you know, we have a year to go and the, the general manager of all of our field operations, you know, with a $300 million a year company says, Hey, we really need to look at who's on site and, and who do you think can be a next person that we could bring up into a foreman position? He's like, you know, let me know. And so I, I spend my days, I look and interact and talk and you watch how people deal with other people. And so the number one thing that I really look for, there's a specific aptitude that somebody can display unintentionally and sometimes intentionally, which is how to deal with people. Because when you go from a laborer or an operator and you need to move from that position into a foreman slash super position, and now you're going from being told what to do to telling 20 to 30 people what to do every day, it's you have you have to be able to have a flexible personality. So I would say the number one thing is dealing with people and being able to read people. And so when I show up, I'm brand new to a very large company. I'm going to go through, I'm feeling people out. You feel their energy, you match their energy. You never go above what they are to keep on that same level. And so my number one thing is looking for somebody that can be flexible with their, their personal feelings to be able to interact with a, a whole multitude of different personalities. And that's, that's what it comes down to is your, your first, you know, check mark you need to be a foreman, superintendent, general manager is to be able to talk to 12 different personalities of different kind of people and be able to interact with them properly and not set them off or, or piss them off or talk down to them to match how they, how they approach you. So communication skills is the first thing that stands out to you. Huge. That's awesome. Being able to communicate. And that's, it's, and a lot of us, you know, I'm 37. A lot of us that are in, in our, say our thirties, early forties, when we started in the workforce, we, we grew up with the old timer throwing wrenches at us. If, if we didn't go fast enough or, or do something right. And it was our first time and we had no idea. I don't know how many crescent wrenches or random hammers have been thrown at me because I picked up the wrong tool in the oil field and I had no idea what I was supposed to be grabbing from this guy, but I'm just getting yelled at. 
And in today's day and age, it's it's a little opposite. So you can't just be a yeller. You have to be a communicator in order to be successful when it comes to making that jump from a laborer to a, a foreman, to a superintendent, to a management position. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Communication is super important. Um, moving right along here, uh, what can what can what can tradesmen and women do to be more efficient on the job site? I would say one of the things you can do is is take the extra step every chance you get, regardless if you're going to get an acknowledgement or appreciation or anyone's going to care that you do it. You know, one of my things that I, I always did, you know, they say, oh, the first one there and the last one to go. It's kind of one of those, you know, people present themselves like that. But it's it's if you are the first one there and that's your mentality, be the first one there and you walk around and you look at stuff or you pick up things and you do, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness for some people and, and job sites. And you you just walk around and look at things. And if something needs to be done, you fix it. You don't wait for someone to ask you. You just, you go around and you, you be proactive throughout the day, every day. If you can find a, a chance to be proactive one to two to five times a day when nobody's telling you to do something, you might not think anyone's watching or it's not being noticed because you're not getting an initial praise for it but it doesn't go unnoticed in the long run. And so if you're consistent in your your mentality of I'm going to it's not even above and beyond. I'm just going to be proactive because that's who you are and and if you see something that needs to be done, you fix it or you do it or you report it or you let the foreman know, "Hey, I noticed this needs to be done." You know, is there time for me to do this today? Or do we need a plan on doing this the next day? You know, being proactive and vocal is, is a big thing when it comes to, to that. That's really good. So I talked about this in one of our initial episodes. I gave people five things you can do to stand out on the job site immediately uh, episode. And one of them was as simple as don't walk by trash, right? Like don't walk by trash. Every exactly. time you see trash, pick it up and throw it. And we talked about the concept that, it might not be the hundredth time or the tenth time or the ten thousandth time, but one of those times, I promise you, that supervision will notice. You will stand out. That is a discipline that will make somebody watch you. They will make them curious about you, right? Every time you choose to walk by trash, you are just like everybody else. But if you're that guy that every time the superintendent, he just happens to be walking between the job trailer and his truck and he looks over and you're walking, coming up to grab tools like he's used to see it, you're stopped. Every time he sees you, you're stopped picking up, throwing away trash. Or every time at, the, say, lunch, he sees you next to the trash can, picking up the trash that other people just tossed on the ground next to the trash can, throwing it in. Those tiny little disciplines make you exponentially better and more aggressive, right? Like they, they place you higher up the hierarchy very quickly on just that one simple discipline, I told people. So... I can, I, I really appreciate what you're saying there. I'm the guy that shows up early personally, right? Like, so I'm there yeah. every day I come in because of traffic, as you know, working in California, I'm not in California, but Portland's traffic is terrible. So I come in early hour, hour and a half, 
I'm typically there about an hour early every day just because I don't want to risk getting stuck in traffic. If my vehicle has issues, what insert, whatever, right? Like, and then I just sit there and I prep. But um, one thing I think on the efficiency thing that I'd like to add or parlay is like to establish boundaries with your cell phone. To establish boundaries with your cell oh, yeah. phone is something that I think all of us could work on. It's so easy to start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, especially with this thing vibrating in your pocket or being curious about what's going on in the world on social media. If you could find a way to separate yourself from this phone and like, I, I'm guilty of this too. I'm not saying this from like a woe is me position, right? But if I could find a way to separate myself from being able to look at my phone for personal reasons, Outside of maybe if my wife texts me, check that or something. But if I'm not on social media looking at it randomly throughout the day, how much more productive could I be? And, what, and honestly, how much more dialed into what's going on around me will that keep me, right? So if people could just separate their phones, I think that's another huge one for efficiency, man. <clears throat> well, and, and I think that in today's culture, it's tough for, pe for people because – a lot of people have this unknowing fear of not fear of not knowing what's going on. They just need now that we're so connected everywhere. It's, it's not even like, Oh, what's going on. It's like, who's posting something or who's doing this and, and working internationally in a third world country where it's not something you can just be on your phone all day. You know, I go for, for a month and not use Facebook or Instagram. I would just, I would just talk to my wife in the morning time. We had a 17 hour time difference. You know, I would check in every time I get service. And so it's, you don't have that frequent communication with the outside world. And it's, it's very different because I grew up with not having cell phones and communication, you know, and then in her twenties, it's like, oh, look at all these phones that are popping up. And then it went from that to everyone's connected all over the world all the time. And now I really I really don't use a lot of it. I use LinkedIn occasionally. I post maybe once a month. You know, I might post something if we get new family pictures for some family members to see. But the more you can, like you said, separate your life from the social media because social media is unless you're in a business for social media, it's not going to gain you anything. And that's where I looked at my friends, my life who surrounded me. And if, if it wasn't adding value to me or my wife or my life, I wanted nothing to do with it. I don't, I don't deal with it. So you'll appreciate this then. Cause I have this saying, it's uh, if it's not growing, it's going. Right. Like that's, exactly. that's just, that's where I'm at right now with like people in my circle, my network, all that. Right. Like I just, if it's not growing, it's going. And that's the way you almost have to be um, moving right along. You really let's, do. let's talk about what, what's your, what's a way that you think people can network. Right. Cause I've said this before network, your network is your net worth. And I really think people really need to take a second, rewind this, listen to that. Your network is your net worth. So what's something people can do to make their network more dynamic to, and to increase the value of that circle that they have in their network, right? 
So how would you suggest like uh, guys that are trying to come up, right? So like I'm making the jump from a hand to management. That's what my goal is right now, right? So what would your advice be to somebody in my position? How do you coal slash reinvent your network? So the first, the first thing I had personally did is I looked at who I associated with outside of work, inside of work, and random general interactions I had with other contractors, other people. And I looked at how I felt about my knowledge scope and my level at that time. And I look who around me if I was to join forces with would add value to me or help me gain knowledge that I didn't know. And so just like meeting you, you know, eight years ago, and I think I actually said it then is I take every interaction I have with everybody as an intentional interaction. And if I have a gut feeling or we have a conversation, you know, whether how small or big that conversation may be, I make a decision right then if I'm going to keep in contact, keep that contact and name and phone number and just throw it back, you know, in the Rolodex, dating myself probably, no more Rolodexes, but I keep, I keep that name and I keep that phone number because you never know when you have to make that full circle in a sense and call that person and be like, Hey, Remember we had this conversation, you know, eight years ago, you know, you might not remember me, but you made an impression on me. What do you got going on right now? Like, Hey, I'm looking. And it's one of those things that I, I make a point when I have specific conversations with people to say, Hey, you know, I appreciate the time that we've talked about this and I just want to let you know, it's not going on deaf ears and I'm going to save your contact information and maybe in the future I'll hit you up because I might be looking for work or maybe you'll be looking for something and we can help each other out. Mm-hmm. And I try to surround my myself with people that I feel I can learn something from, a knowledge bank that I might not have. And it's it's funny now that time has passed, you know, over the course of my life, all these different interactions I've had with different people that in the moment didn't seem like anything, you know, in a sense, I call it the full circle. It's an interaction with somebody I've had, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago, coming back around going, hey, I saw you post a picture on LinkedIn. What are you doing? And how can I be a part of that? Or what are you doing? Do you know of any work going on? And so it's it's those little, little conversations that might be meaningless to a lot of people that I take to heart and and put away for future use. No, oh, that's gold. That's gold. Yeah. Cause I mean, did your network is that's your golden ticket. I mean, straight up, that's your golden ticket, especially when you're talking about being aggressive and lateraling up the chain and being able to put yourself into position. You never know who's in the right position to make the right kind of phone call that gives you that shot. And literally it could be from, Hey, I worked with you for three months, eight years ago, and you were a cool fucking dude. And I know you get it. Like, it could be that, or it could be somebody that and, you've known for the last and, 10 years and work with. You just never know, right? And that, that's exact conversations. I, I worked with a, a project manager and a project engineer seven years ago. 
and I had hit them up five, six years ago after we went separate ways. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? You got anything going on? You know where I could land a superintendent position? Oh, no, you know, I don't know nothing right now. I'm looking to. Well, I land a job with an international company. And next thing I know, they're hitting me back up saying, hey, you know, we only we only talk via phone. We haven't seen each other in five years. Is there anything you got going on, I can send you my resume, you know? And so having those interactions with, with people that you don't really in the moment think that it's ever going to be anything, but three years, five years down the road, you have built this network of project managers, superintendents, project engineers, inspectors that you come across on your job sites from day to day and month to month and year to year that, you can always use as a resource later on when you're looking to make a change or make a move or they're looking to make a change or make a move. And you never know what, what side of that fence you're going to be on. And so it's good to have those contacts and have that network. Like you said, is, is your network is your net worth because if you don't have a network of anybody, when something goes down, who are you going to call when you need that next job or need that position because everything's failing? Man, ain't that the truth? It makes me think about also like you never know when that person is going to be the the next big boss either. One of those people you could blink your eyes and say now they're the general and their instructions coming into this company is replace all of the management. I want I want all new hands. Yeah. I want all new. The company's starting over. The company's changing course. They need a, a swift change or maybe a bunch of people fire. So you just never know. And then that could be the point where you're getting a phone call from somebody that you helped one time. And they're like, hey, this is what I got going on. I need somebody just like you to come and run work. And then like, as far as talking about compensation, it's a shoe in, right? Because you already have the relationship. You could say, hey, man, this is my number. This is what it is. And I would absolutely love to come and work with you again or for you. Right. And like, and I, I've been on both sides of that that fence. You know, when I, when I went to Papua New Guinea, I was like, man, who can I bring with me? Who do I know in my, my network of people that is close to my knowledge and what I can do, and it, who can I bring here to help help me be my back to back so I don't have to work all year. I can work half the year. They work the other half of the year. Yeah, you and I make those me, phone calls. Asshole. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was not something I couldn't. It's not a. It's not one of those just show up and do jobs. <laughs> You'd be sitting on a fifty-five degree slope in a spider excavator in the middle of a third world jungle with Indians and shooting at you. You know, it's not. It wasn't a good spot. <laughs> teasing, I'm teasing. So going along the thing with your network, another thing that makes you more dynamic um, is feeding your brain, right? Wisdom, gaining wisdom stretching your mind, keep fueling it. Um, what are some books you'd suggest for people to read, right? Like I, I personally am a big proponent to continuing your education, not necessarily in the format of school, but in you're always learning. You're always trying to put more shit through your brain and process more information to, to make you a better communicator, make you a better just intellectual or intellect, if you will, right? Like all of that. So What's some books you'd suggest, man? I, I mean, 
there's so many books. I would have to go through the library of books that I have on Audible and at home. The most recent book I have read that really, really kind of, you know, hit me in, in the field, feel goods. You know, even though the story about Elon Musk wasn't exactly portrayed how maybe Elon wanted to be portrayed, the, the story of where he came from, the obstacles and literally the Mount Everest of, of issues that he had to overcome to get to the just the U.S. to to become what he is today, you know, the wealthiest business owner. He's doing missions for NASA, started a car company, you know, PayPal, MapQuest. The things that he did back in the day before, you know, we were all in diapers. Yeah. Is is so phenomenal listening to the story of you know, I know I had an interesting and a kind of a rough go, but when you listen to what his beginning of his life was up until he was, you know, 20 years old, it really humbles me knowing that I didn't really go through anything compared to what, you know, a person like that went through and showing how you, you will never be successful without taking risks and and him really laying out those risks and the risk versus reward and the right timing for things so it, that book definitely hit me good and i listened i listened to it in its entirety the first 7 chapters of it for anyone though that i would definitely it's definitely a good listen to really change your mindset on where you've personally have come from and where you personally can go that's incredible. So Elon Musk's book, do you got another one that sticks out to you? Um, let's see. A lot of them there. I like, I like, I like reading and listening to, you know, biographies of different people. You know, how did the biographies, biographies of different presidents, presidents, biographies of different world leaders, you know, the history, the history books in general of of how different people in our society over the course of the last two hundred years became in the positions they are. So I, there's so many. It's for hard for me to pinpoint one. I would say in general, you you look at world leaders that are in prominent positions, and you pick you pick their biography and you listen to it because you go through them and it really explains, you know, even some of our pre past presidents, like, you know, the Kennedys, the Reagans, you know, the first Bush. I don't really care for some of the past presidents, but I still read their books because everybody has their own unique story and I'm a sponge for information, you know, and, and a common, a common thing between all of those books that I've read when it comes to biographies of presidents and leaders around the world is communication, networking, and, and having goals bigger than themselves hmm. is what it comes down to. There's a common, there's a common thing with all of these biographies and things you read of people that are in prominent positions. All of them are great communicators. 
all of them had dreams of, of and aspirations to do things and had a, a feeling of something bigger than themselves that they felt like they needed to pursue. And I have that same feeling, you know, I'm not, I'm not shooting to be a president, but I'm shooting to be the best version of myself and the best communicator with, with my family, my wife, my kids be present yet still continue my pursuit to be a blue collar barbarian in a sense. You know? Yeah. For real though. Yeah. The legend is you, you know what I mean? That's what it, the end of the day, yeah. you're becoming the myth, the man, the legend, like you are it. And that's awesome. Yeah. I would agree with that. That's great. Um, one book I always, I read that stood out to me was the magic of thinking big by Dr. David J. Schwartz or David Charles Schwartz or the magic of thinking big. That was an yeah. incredible read. It kind of gets your mind going on how to fuel up, um, just how to believe that you can, right? Um, and to think bigger, right? That there's a power in thinking bigger, kind of like you were saying, when you wake up and you manifest, that's one that I like. And then um, I'm into like the discipline thing a lot. And so David Goggins books, they spoke to me. I really like his style. I like it's rough. It's to the point. It's very charismatic. I mean, I've he's, he's, a, he's amazing guy. Amazing yeah. guy. Yeah. I love listening to him talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like just his mentality about go get it. No excuse. Just go like, Hey, you don't like, I'm trying to be a savage for me and me only. I'm trying to be a barbarian in my own right. I'm not doing it for you. I'm not doing it for notoriety. I, this is me. And I never said you have to do it my way, but if you're asking why I do it, like eat shit, if you're not going to do it my way, like you either come yeah. with it or you don't period the end. I, I dig that. So I can appreciate that. And um, he. He's, he's, he's the guy that I think said that quote, if you, if the answer is you're not going to do what the fuck it takes, then don't fucking do it. <laughs> I, that might've been him. That sounds like something he would say for sure. I think exactly it is. Him. I think it is. Is he said, that's awesome. Well, wrapping up these yeah, questions, I love that guy. wrapping up these questions, Mark, let's do one more. I got one more for you and then we'll close the show. Um, um, shoot it. Give me uh give me some parting wisdom here. I'm I'm looking to know what do you tell these guys right now in the trades that aren't sure? They're in that period of uncertainty. Is this what I want to do? Should I do this? How long should I do this? At what point do they try? or look for something new? At what point do they decide to make the jump? Is there a time there? Should you 10 years, five years, three years? What, you know, like how do people know when they're ready? So, so I just had this conversation probably seven days ago with the foreman on site. I'm not even kidding you. I was, I said, what is, what is your goal? You know, this is this foreman I met here. He's in, he's in the operator union. He's an operator and they dropped him as a foreman position and he's handling it like a boss. I walked onto this job first time, never meeting anybody. I thought he was the project manager or superintendent of, of the whole job because of how well he spoke and how well he handled all the clients and the subcontractors and, and just his 
day-to-day dealings. I just kind of walked around with him and, and watched what he did. And I says, what's your, what's your end goal here? What do you want to do? You're a foreman. He's like, well, I've only been a foreman for a year now. I've been an operator, you know, running drills. And he's like, but my, my end goal is a superintendent. And I was like, that's your end goal or your today goal. And he's like, well, that's my end goal. And I'm like, no, I can tell right now you just need a little bit of guidance. You can shoot a lot higher than a superintendent. You just need it to set those, you know, those goals. I want to be a superintendent in one year. I want to be a general manager in five years. I want to run the whole operation, not just the job. And he was like, well, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And I'm like, it's simple. It's really simple. For me, it's three things. It's, it's mindset, consistency, and, and just showing up and being present every single day that you have to be there is really what it comes down to. And ultimately, if, if you're in, in that position as a laborer and you really want to make the jump, you really have to, you have to sit down and look inside yourself and think, you know, personally, I'm a big burly dude, but I like to do vision boards. Me and my wife sit down once a year, you know, beginning of the year. And we do a vision board of war, what we see and what we want over the course of the next 12 months. And we cut clippings, we print off stuff from the internet and we glue it to a board. And we think every day, like, Hey, you know, maybe you want this new vehicle or you want this new position or you want this raise or you want this vacation or you want that next position. If you believe you can do it, you're already ahead of 90% of the people in the workforce. If you just think that you can do it, you will do it. The more you think about it, the more you put it out there and the more you tell yourself that you're better than what you're currently doing. And you know that you, can do this next position, you will unintentionally gravitate towards exactly what you want. And that's, for me, I still do that. I do that daily. It's, it's one of those things I wake up, I tell myself, you know, I love, I love this job. I love my life. I love my wife. And I'm going to be a general manager of operations, or I'm going to be the owner. Maybe I'll be the owner of this company in 15 years. And you shoot for goals and and tell yourself every day that you can be that person and you will be that person. And visualize that, right? Like visualize what that will be. Visualize your future. I like to sit and think like what it's going to be like when I'm that guy walking up, looking at my job site, right? Or like when I'm pulling a bunch of guys in, just getting them fired up, motivated, speaking to them. I, I like for me, I, this is a little off topic, but I, I, I really want to like teach at in a seminar format for leaderships. Like I want to be the guy that goes and speaks to a company's leadership and gets them fired up to talk so to I their, mean. and gets them fired up to talk to their hands and to teach their guys and, and re-excited. Right. And like, I picture that day I walk on stage and I got, a thousand guys in all different levels of leadership there to listen to what barbarians suggest and is there to teach on 
how to effectively communicate with your crew and how to re relight that fire within your people. Right. Like I, I just want to serve people so bad. Right. But I also think about what it's going to be like to get on my barbarians labeled jet to get there. You know what I mean? Like, and you're going to, and I'm going to, I'm going to hop on that jet right there with you. <laughs> yeah. and, damn right. And, you're going to be one of my keynote speakers. I'll be arm in arm with you, helping helping train and teach the next generation of barbarians, blue collar barbarians, to to teach their kids and teach those generations. And and because we're all going to be a dying breed in ten years, we already are. That's the thing. We are we a dying breed. Are. It's going to get worse. We it is. It's going to be crazy. And I'm right there with you. I, I take every interaction I have no matter how old or young that person is that I deal with and I give them, if, if they show like they have that little bit of aptitude or a little bit of drive, or they ask a question, I take the time to be personable because they look at me as a, as a leader when I come onto site and they ask me a question and I sit down and have that personable conversation with them and give them a little bit of life advice. If they ask a question about, man, how did you get to this role? I, I've always, I always want to, take that next step, I'll take the 15, 20 minutes and sit there and have a conversation a bit with them about what they've done, where they see themselves in one year, three years, five years, and, and help them lay them, lay their own mindset out and, and tell them, think about that every day. Think about your actions and, and your intentions and what you want out of this life. I don't care if you're the lowest man on the job site, I'm going to spend that 15 or 20 minutes with you and have that interaction and conversation because now, you know, being in the, in the field for almost 17 years, so many of these people come back and, and reach out to you three years, five years, seven, 10 years. I was just got off the phone before this podcast with a guy I spent a year with. He, he came out of college, never touched a drill rig or a spider excavator in his life. And I spent a year with me side by side drilling. And now he's calling me up four years later. Hey, hey, Mark, uh, this happened to this drill bit. Why why would this happen? How did this this cut get in this drill bit? And I just gave him a full explanation. And and you build a network of people that you've you've helped that are following you and wanna wanna call you and tell you that their achievements. Hey, what you taught me really helped me what you told me really, really took me to the next level. And so teaching, as you said, and training and helping that next generation get to the next step, you know, I'm all about that. And because I didn't have that going through the ranks, you know, I you mean, didn't you know, have, you don't have that. No. And a lot of it, dude, imagine like if you could just reignite the fire in your leadership. So like, I want to go and speak. Like I, I picture speaking at like a, in Vegas at the Carpenters Union's apprentice thing where they send all their international for their Carpenters Union speaking to a bunch of apprentices that are just getting started. Like, Hey, your goal at the end of five years should be coming out, running work. You shouldn't be just journeying out. You should be coming out as crew leads and working foreman. You're not going to be a general foreman, but there's no reason that at the end of a five-year apprenticeship, you haven't learned A to Z. And when you journey out, get a crew handed to you. There's no reason. Like, absolutely. Unless, no. your, unless your career doesn't offer that. Like, I'll digress a little bit because like in the crane world, that's 
not really a thing. There has to be X amount of people on a job and how many of those jobs is there really where it rates, it warrants a foreman. And then it, that's just a little bit of a different beast, right? But if you're an iron worker, if you're a carpenter, you're a laborer, you're a painter, you're a sheet rocker, I mean, electrician, plumber, the list could go on and on and on and on and on, right? Like you should get a crew coming out of apprenticeship. That should be your goal. I am going to run work, HVAC, fitters. Like I'm going to run work, period, the end, right? And and then that's part of, that's part of, you know, apprenticeship is if you go through that and the leaders of the apprenticeship see those people that have that fire in their belly and want that and have that aptitude. And you're looking, you're constantly looking as a management perspective for somebody that has that fire that can take on that role. And there's not a lot of people that show that. And so you're always looking, you're always looking because you can't just take anybody and put them into that leadership role. You have to have that specific aptitude to navigate personalities, communicate and and just be able to be patient, train, teach, and, and knowledgeable enough in enough areas that, you know, you can be successful. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Like on the Kyle episode, he talked about, on Kyle Kutz's episode, he talked about like how, like when he was explaining, like teaching his guys and how, what that meant to him and get really get into the weeds with them and not just to, to do it because I said to do it, but this is why. And like, I thought it was, it was just incredible to see his perspective watching, like, how much he cared about that. And then you're, it's like, well, no wonder you're a superintendent for your company now, bro. Like, look at the level of care you had. Look at the – you didn't even want to make the jump because you enjoyed teaching and working with the people you were teaching versus sitting on the tablet or the laptop and overviewing it. And, like, it's just incredible to see these different people that are coming up and – what a time that we have. And for the guys listening to this, as we get ready to wrap this show up, we're, we're on our closing thoughts here. Um, for the guys listening to this, uh, like Mark said a little bit earlier, in the next 10 years, this industry, as you know it, is going to be flipped on its head. You have a tremendous opportunity in front of you right now to start growing and elevating yourself and putting yourself in a position to absolutely crush it. Now I took in my, through my career path, a very accelerated path. I got, I believe in taking at bats, Mark. That's what I talked with these guys about. Like the more swings you get, the better you get. Right. So the faster you can get to 10,000 hours, the faster you get to a mastery level. And then when you teach it, you understand it in a different way. Now I was fast, but there is an opportunity for guys getting started right now that will make what I thought was fast. Look, slug paced just because quality hands caring hands uh the aptitude portion of what you were saying and then the driven and not to mention what happens when all these people retire because everybody's on their way out right now all Everyone. the guys that all the guys that we're talking about throwing wrenches doing stuff like that they are a lot of them are mad right now because of the way the economy is. They had to wait to retire. They are already wanting to be done, and this extended some of their plans, right? So, But that clock is striking midnight soon. <laughs> it is striking it midnight really soon. It really is. And 
there's just this one crew that I'm on. There's 25 guys on this location and there is seven people on this location in the next two to three years that are not going to be at work. And they're in key roles. Crane operators, like very good, knowledgeable crane operators that can swing that pile or swing that casing, work around, you know, a very large drill rig, welding foremans, you know, different drilling foremans. They're all retiring and, and their replacements as of now are unknown. They don't have they don't have that person that they can teach and train with them day by day because we just don't have the personnel to do that. Nor do they care. You don't have that person that No. So you have to want it. And that's another factor of it. You have to want it. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, there's there's no middle there's no middle ground. Yeah, you're either going to make it or you're not. And I, I think times are going to be very telling of that on their own here very shortly. But that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, Mark, dude, thank you so yeah. much for your wisdom as we wrap this show up. We're going on 53 minutes right now. And dude, I just want to thank you again. That was that was an awesome Q&A session. People are going to get a ton out of this. Um, man, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your advice and your wisdom. And um, I look forward to being able to sit down with you again in the near future and talk international consultant work and risks, rewards, processes. I think we're going to have to do a, a, a Mark Part 3. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. It's, it's a whole <laughs> different ball game once you leave the, the U.S. borders, I'll tell you that. I believe that. Well, dude, do you have anything you want to say on exit? Um, all I have to say is, you know, one of, one of my favorite quotes that I tell when I, when I became a foreman and, and, a, and a superintendent, one of the, the most things I say throughout the course of a year to somebody, when they ask me, what's the best thing I can do sometimes when I'm new and I want to learn. And it's a quote from Abraham Lincoln. It's better to remain silent and be thought a fool then open one's mouth and remove all doubt. And that hits me in a certain way where there's a lot of people out there, especially kind of our generation, that like to have the loud mouth and ask and act like they know everything. Right now, it's sometimes it's better just to remain silent and listen and, and, and watch because there's a, not, a lot of knowledge around us with some of the old timers that might not be very personable. You know, you work, everybody that's probably listening to this has worked with those guys. They might not be personable, but if you just, you don't try to interact as much with them and you just be quiet and watch what they're doing, there's a lot to learn from, from that generation. They don't have the personable aspect as, as we do, but it, you can learn a lot just from watching and listening. So I would say on my closing, it's better to remain better to remain silent and be thought of full than open one's mouth and remove all doubt. Wow. Abraham Lincoln. Abe Lincoln. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Mark, thank you again so much. That is an incredible quote to end on. I don't that's where we're going to leave this. I mean, that speaks for itself. Very powerful sentiment. Thank you again and uh we'll talk to you soon. Everybody else, please like, share, follow along, subscribe. 
uh, tag a friend in this and share like if, if this could help anybody in your network grow, if we can help anybody grow, send them our way. We just really appreciate you. Uh, and, and Mark, I, I personally, I, I really appreciate you, brother. Um, we'll see you on the next one, huh? Yeah, we'll see you on the next one, brother. All right. Take care, everybody.